0: Pop culture pastor. You remember, um, you probably don't remember the old Battlestar Galactica, do you? No. Okay, there was an old Battlestar Galactica before the new show. I say new, but I'm like late 90s Battlestar Galactica, early aughts. Is that about when that was on? Um, It would have had to been on in the aughts
1: because. They talk about it in the office, and Jim's like, "Oh, did you watch last night's episode, Battlestar Galactica?" And then <laughs> Dwight can't refute it because of uh, not
0: not using company time for personal time. So uh, I love the Office. Um, yeah, so I think the old one—I I can't remember if it was the old Battlestar Galactica or if it was old—if it was Buck Rogers so there was another show called buck rogers and they were real similar to me in the 80s early 80s but they had a it had a robot and one of them it went beady 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 <laughs> that was the noise it made beady 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 in any uh that was just stuck in my head all day today beady 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 and it had like a it looked like a little boy robot like it was like tiny i don't know they were trying to copy star wars i'm sure but yeah now that i'm thinking of it, it might have been buck rogers okay They wear like these leather tracksuits and it had, the well, I don't know. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up and I'm not going to. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, uh, hello and welcome to pop culture podcast, uh, episode seven. Are we at seven, seven ish. Yeah. You lose count after this much greatness, (laughs) uh, So yeah, we're ready uh to talk about what we're going to talk about this week and um what we're going to talk about this week is we're, it's kind of twofold. We have a we have a subtopic that we're going to we're going to review Hawkeye so far, very short. Just going to just plainly talk about the first three episodes of Hawkeye, um how that's going for us. And then our main subject I want to get to is it's it's based around Ghostbusters Afterlife. We saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. And we're going to review it. And in a sense, again, I'm not going to painstakingly go over every beat of the movie, uh, but we both liked it. Oh, yeah. But a lot of critics didn't. Jabronies. (laughs) (laughs) Said the pastor. Yes. Um, We're going to talk about the world being cynical. I want to talk about pop culture in a cynical world because i found that we're going to talk about all this later but i found ghostbusters delightful like, yeah and and i think if well we'll talk about it in a little while no uh, spoilers yeah just well there will be spoilers probably but all the
1: spoilers
0: <laughs> stop being difficult <laughs> okay um let's start we we start off with news And we've got a a couple, a a few things to talk about this week. It's it's been kind of slow news. It seems like everybody, all anybody wants to talk about is Spider Man No Way Home. (sighs) So we are not going to talk about Spider Way No Way Home at all. I'm not doing it. You can't make me unless you count right now. But we're just telling you that we're not going to talk about it.
1: I'm not talking about whatever we're not talking about.
0: In fact, if I were to talk about (laughs) it, I would say. It's, it people like what if toby and andrew aren't in it would you just stop it they're totally in it there's no way they're not in it it's not logical logically they're in it brief glimpses just like doctor who no no they're gonna be in it they're gonna have a major role in it brief glimpse no, s- would you stop it <laughs> would you just stop it it's all part of the plan anyways we're not going to talk about all that because we're going to do a special pod. We're planning a special pod for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, and it'll be the most people we've ever had on the podcast. I believe it's going to be me and you, Jason, and maybe his wife, who Jason's been on the podcast. He was like on episode two or three. Yeah. And then a new guy named Scott. Hi, new guy, Scott. Yeah. So we're going to have a rat. We're going to have a, what we call a pastor geek roundtable. table. hmm and uh so we'll we'll have a pastor geek roundtable on spider-man it'll be the only thing we talk about that episode and it'll come out um early the next week after uh the premiere on friday and so if you have
1: not watched it by then do not listen to the podcast till after yeah
0: because we're gonna spoil the ever-loving nerd out of that
1: sorry we're we're gonna talk about it
0: It, it, there's no point in having a pastor geek roundtable if you're not going to spoil everything about it so we're gonna we're just telling you we're giving you a little upcoming glimpse of some plans we got but let's get into this week we've got some news things here to report um according to the new book tinderbox uh a hefty price tag for the initial prequel um for game of thrones a game of thrones spinoff for hbo okay um so we're, we're getting some more information about HBO's scrapped Game of Thrones spinoff. They're, they're not doing it. Um, did we need any more? Game of Thrones? Yeah. Well, apparently, um, this just came out this week, but George R.R. Martin begged HBO to make it a 10-year, 10 10-season 10 thing. He begged him. It went five. He uh, begged him to do it 10, and he, he's. it turns out he's mad about how they did everything, which makes sense.
1: I'm also mad you haven't finished the last book.
0: Yeah, right? Well, so I'm a pastor, but I started reading these books long before I was ever a Christian. Because these are old books. And yeah, Older wh- than me. What they did with the show was kind of rushed it, hurried it, and apparently George R.R. R. Martin, not happy uh, with HBO. But HBO, j- this just came out in the new book, Tinderbox: HBO's Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers. By James Andrew Miller. The network spent more than $30 million on the pilot episode for a prequel that they tr- they junked starring Naomi Watts. $30 million for a pilot that they made that they never made the show for. Can you imagine that? $30 million. Someone got fired, right?
1: I would think so. I mean... <laughs> You just used the budget for like so many like '80s and '90s cinematic masterpieces. I mean, that's amazing.
0: Thirty million dollars. Uh, the spinoff never officially had a title. Had some big names attached, in addition to Naomi Watts, would have also featured S.J. Clarkson as director, Jane Goldman as showrunner. And a pretty interesting premise. The prequel would have been set thousands of years before Game of Thrones and would have involved the distant ancestors of noble families like the Starks and Lannisters. Uh, would not have included dragons, since it would have predated House Targaryen's arrival in Westeros. And author George R.R. R. Martin had suggested The Long Night as a possible title. Um, yeah. $30 million.
1: <laughs> okay, so... What they should do is, and you're going to hate me for saying this, but they should take something from Zack Snyder's... Oh,
0: gosh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, His extended cut. Why do you do this to me? (laughs) Um, And they should do a backstory... Of the gods and heroes of old, of old earth. Cause like he, he shows little glimpses from the battle. And so instead of doing a prequel to game of Thrones, do it to that and just have like the heroes of old earth and the God, did you
0: just totally switch universes?
1: Um, it's the same company making it. (laughs) So you're welcome. (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Um. Although I enjoyed the Game of Thrones books, I'll tell you what I don't need any spinoffs. Mm. I don't need any spinoffs. In fact, I will even tell you this. I know this is going to be a lot of people love Game of Thrones the books. Um, around the fourth book, wh- what book does the Red Wedding happen? in? Is that the third one? You're talking to the wrong guy. You have then, you not read the books? <laughs> who reads? um lots of people (laughs) what what, did you want you watch the show though most of it okay well so here's my history with the reading of the game of thrones books um when i read the book with the red wedding when i read the chapter of the red wedding i threw the book across the room and it sat in a corner of my room for a solid 10 days to two weeks because i was so angry and when I finally picked it up and started reading again, I started getting back into the story. And I'm like, okay. But here's the thing. George R.R. R. Martin wrote something that was different and I loved. But it clearly, by the time you get like to the fourth book, you clearly see that he's just subverting your tropes. Mm-hmm but he keeps doing it over and over again the problem with that is is you fall he makes you interested in these characters and you fall in love with these characters just so he can kill them off and eventually i got tired of it and i was just like now i still want to know what happens what he planned for the original story because i watched the tv show and that was bad that that last season of game of thrones was all kinds of awful
1: um I don't know how you can say that. They included like Starbucks in it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that didn't get caught
0: in the editing They're everywhere. Yeah, There's really a Starbucks everywhere. You (laughs) got one right at the wall. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd really like to read and and see how he would finish it, what his plan was. But I will say for a series that started off for me rivaling the Lord of the Rings series... Like for me, after I was through book one and book two, I was just like, "This is a great story." By the time I got to the end of the fourth book, I was like, "You know what? Mm, No, I don't. It's good, but it's not my favorite, right?" But I do want to know how he would have ended it. Kick rocks. Okay, that's what. Well, I I mean, I'm not there. (laughs) I'm not there. Um, But HBO, someone, um, you know, someone probably got fired. Yeah. Spent $30 million on a show they ended up not doing, which is pretty impressive for a, a pilot episode.
1: Um, like, think about so many good series that got canceled after like a season or two. Mm. Probably didn't have $30 million in the budget for the whole entire run of the series. And now they're just throwing $30 million down the toilet.
0: um here's the stuff coming to streaming in december and let me i'm going to list them off you tell me what you're looking forward to the most cobra kai season four lost in space season three the witcher season two the book of boba fett
1: oh that's tough is it so it's the book of boba fett but For a second, I think I have The Witcher edging out Cobra Kai.
0: Yeah. I like Cobra Kai a lot. It's a fun show. And I think if you were going to do, um, we'll get into a little bit of this later because Ghostbusters Afterlife does something very similar as far as a sequel from an old beloved 80s movie goes. Uh, But if you're going to do it, like carry on the story in a way that fits, but tell a new story. And so Cobra Kai, um, and don't be afraid to change the genre of the the the, sh- the entertainment. Yeah. So what Cobra Kai did was went from a taking we're taking this very seriously karate movie, yeah. like that was super serious, and turned it into kind of a comedy where we're winking at you a little bit. The characters still taking it super seriously, mm-hmm. uh, but there's some winking going on and. And Ghostbusters Afterlife kind of does something similar where they took, a you know, an 80s kind of screwball comedy, I think is what they would have called it back in the 80s. Like, you know, here you got these loser dudes who didn't couldn't hack it. They're loser scientists, you know, and they, they do something as kind of like a dodge, a hustle, and then they end up, like, you know, saving New York City.
1: As one does. And
0: like an 80s movie, you, they took that second aspect of it and did it seriously, but then they shift the whole story for kind of uh, amazingly enough, another eighties genre, which is group of kids band together to, to have an adventure and stop an evil whatever mm-hmm. while continuing the original story of ghostbusters. Yeah. And so um, I think the best way to do sequels, especially with uh, stuff that's older, like from the eighties era it's, yeah, carry on the story and then reimagine it. And don't be afraid to have a different vibe to it. And Cobra Kai does that great. Yeah. Johnny uh, Johnny Lawrence, infinitely more interesting than Daniel-san. Daniel-san. Poor
1: pff, Ralph Macchio. He
0: grows up to be the punk we all knew he was.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I really enjoy Cobra Kai the witcher kind of fills that what people were like all
0: jazzed up about games game of thrones like Mm -hmm. it kind of fills that role for me yeah see so i haven't watched the witcher because i have a strict i don't watch stuff based on video games rule (laughs) um because i have yet to see anything good ever come from entertainment from based on a video game Um, are you saying the super Mario brothers movie wasn't good? Look, um, I'm really thrilled that captain Lou Albano got work (laughs) for the cartoon series. And who was in the, who was in the movie? Was it Hoskins? Did Bob Hoskins play Mario in the movie? Maybe. Yeah. Bob Hoskins. Is he still alive? I think he's probably passed away. didn't he captain Lou's definitely dead. (laughs) He's definitely a goner. was not in the best shape um but captain lou albano former pro wrestler wwf he played mario in the cartoon the cartoon was like a fever dream that was so weird um unfortunately yes bob has passed on yeah so and then luigi uh who why don't you just look up the movie tell me who was luigi was it a recognizable Uh,
1: yes luigi was um john uh liguizamo yeah yeah john liguizamo that's right Dennis Hopper was Bowser. So weird. That's such Uh, a weird choice. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, And no one really
0: else, like, huge in my book, so. Yeah, so, okay. That was not a good movie either. I, I, I will stand on my ground saying that, really, there has not been any sort of entertainment made based on a video game that was really, really worth me going out of my way to watch. So... I will say
1: probably my favorite might be the Warcraft movie.
0: Now, I've heard people say that, but I didn't see it. Because, and again, I have a rule.
1: So, like, I've lost many friends to World of Warcraft. They went into their basement <laughs> and never came
0: out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> had some high school weekends taken away by World of Warcraft. With This was back when it was just a role-playing game. Yeah. Because I'm that old. Well, I... When that South Park episode came out
1: about World of Warcraft, it was very realistic, and I was like, yeah, I don't know where my friends are, like, somewhere in the
0: basement. I don't know. I think back then it was called Warhammer. Yeah. We we had, like, figurines (laughs) hand-painted. Well, uh, David
1: Bowie's son, uh, Duncan Jones, directed uh,
0: Warcraft, and it was really good. That's interesting. You have a you have a strange amount of knowledge for the War, the Warcraft movie.
1: Uh, I think it's more because I
0: actually like Duncan Jones movies. This is neither here nor there, but I actually like Hearthstone, which is the card game based on the World of Warcraft. Oh, okay. If you know, that's just an extra little bonus tidbit. You all are welcome. <laughs> we were talking about streaming at the beginning of this. Uh, my kids love Lost in Space oh yeah Mm -hmm. um almost almost worth it by itself just to see parker posey play (laughs) the over the top bad guy in them in the show she's so over the top she's like a caricature of evil as one is when you're lost in space and as annoying as it would be anywhere else like say yellowstone with the character of beth dutton where she's practically a caricature of herself and it's super obnoxious um, when Parker Posey does it, eh, I'm okay with it. She makes it fun. Okay,
1: yeah. I I have some issues with Yellowstone this season, but that's
0: neither here nor there. Yeah, we're not talking. We listen. We cannot go down that road. Yeah. not. We cannot go down the Yellowstone road. Yep, not-, not not yet. We have to. That deserves its own entire pod. Yeah. Um. So clearly, Book of Boba Fett is the one we're looking forward to the most. Yes uh there's been a couple ads have come out it looks just amazing it looks dope if i might use some old some old uh slang looks Looks amazing rad looks rad book of boba (laughs) fett looks uh incredibly rad and so uh that's clearly the one we're looking forward to that starts in yeah just a couple weeks we're gonna get the we're gonna be getting the end of hawkeye along with the book of Boba Fett and then the Spider-Man movie all at the same time. Mm. It's going to be a geek embarrassment of riches. Right now I'm missing
1: the Mandalorian. I'm not going to lie.
0: Well, he'll be in this.
1: It was quite literally like a Christmas tradition.
0: Pedro Pascal's a little too political. He needs some time to think about it. So I'm glad let's, let's go in a different direction. Let's give him a little time to think about it. I mean, I would give
1: him some time to think about it after wonder woman 84, but (laughs) although he was the best part of that movie. So really? Yeah. Hmm.
0: I'll say it. Interesting take. Um, Okay. Next news item. Uh, If you're in the market for an advent calendar, you can uh, find a Marvel studios advent calendar. Um, on Amazon limited edition advent calendar by Marvel. That includes 24 enamel pins themed to each Disney plus TV show that is set that has come out or is set to come out for Marvel. I sent that to my wife. I ordered one today.
1: I ordered one this very day. Um, and she did not respond. <laughs> So one of us will be getting it and one of us probably will not.
0: They show um, some of the pins here, uh, 14 of them. There's 24. So they don't show them all. Uh, But there's, there's multiple pins from each show that has come out, including the Hawkeye one that's out now. Uh, There's an ugly, ugly Christmas sweater, Hawkeye one. That's just great. Yeah. Uh, A watcher pin. So obviously lots of WandaVision loki there's an alligator or crocodile loki pin a tva pin which totally sporting that my kids don't get that one i'm getting the tva pin uh but you can get it originally it's the 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 what the the estimated price or what they usually sell for is 99.99 you can get it for 58.99 on amazon right now the only problem is is amazon's struggling getting it out so it's. Some, I ordered it today, and it said December eighth through the twelfth possible delivery date. So we're already gonna miss. We're gonna have to catch up. Yeah. So they're gonna kids are gonna get some pins right off the bat. Mm. I, I like a good uh, geek themed advent calendar. Not gonna lie. I don't have
1: any type of themed advent calendar. It's just all up in my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You should. You should do it. Uh, there's also one that's bopping around out there a Marvel Funko Pop. Advent calendar, which was fun. We did that one a couple years ago, and the kids got all sorts of uh, cool little mini Funko pops. That one would be a game changer. Yeah. So, uh but I've got the pin one. I'll tell you how cool it is when we start doing it. Well, I'll probably you. talk some more about it on the pod. Um. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's that's the news we have right now. Uh, since we're talking Marvel, let's get into Hawkeye. okay so uh hawkeye the the disney plus show we're three episodes in we have just watched the third episode right before recording this pod so if you do not want any spoilers yes fast forward now this pod will come out um friday yeah which is probably it's approximately a couple days from now so yeah if you're behind you you want to stop listening now because I, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna we're not gonna go in depth into this, but we we might let some spoilers out. Quickly get caught up. Yeah. Okay. Now that we're done with that, Cody, what's what's your feelings? Three episodes in, where are you on this this show? Um like I'm I'm waiting for
1: something big to kinda happen because right now it's like uh eh, like we're doing some cute little side things. Mm-hmm um but like there hasn't been that oh holy cow
0: didn't see that coming moment yeah yeah there's uh it, you're right we're in that it's so far it's uh, i would call it delightful it is delightful yeah you've got the christmasy vibe to it um we've had a couple big action sets now we got to the one we see a lot a lot of in the commercials in this third episode which is them in the car the car chase action set which really gets me excited because we still have how many episodes are there? I, are there five or six? I think it's six. Okay, so I'm excited that we've pretty much at the end of episode three, we've pretty much seen everything we saw in the trailers now, which is I think is exciting. All new here yeah. on now. So I, I like that Marvel does that. That creates they create great trailers without giving us too much from the the crux of the series. Um, yeah. And the Christmas stuff, the, the him trying to get home to his family kind of conceit of it. There was a real sweet tender moment in this episode where his hearing aid is damaged and his son calls and he can't hear him. And so Kate Bishop is writing down what his son is saying. And he's, there's this, there's this moment where I saw Cody tear up a little bit. It was close. It, <laughs> I kept it in. He's promising his son he's gonna get home for Christmas because his son says to him, as Kate Bishop writes it down, he he says it's okay if you if you're not home for Christmas. Heartbreaking, yeah. And you could see uh, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner's eyes kind of get a little watery. Mm-hmm. He's he's thinking about it, and um, yeah, that all is great. One of my favorite holiday movies of all time is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. John Candy, Steve Martin, and the whole movie is about Steve Martin trying to get home to his family on Thanksgiving. One of the few Thanksgiving themed movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we didn't do a Thanksgiving um, show because we...
1: Although like after that skipping a Thanksgiving themed movie show, I I've now thought of like 3, two or three other movies.
0: Really? What were some other
1: ones? Okay, so the first Spider-Man movie
0: uh weak
1: green goblin is eating (laughs) yes i know thanksgiving i've seen the movie
0: it's it's like die hard's a christmas movie listen die hard is a christmas movie but thanksgiving is not the entire backdrop for that movie it is no it's not
1: son-in-law is a thanksgiving movie paulie shore yeah it is it's all based around Thanksgiving break and I'm
0: gonna allow that one, but only because I had a huge crush crush on Carla Gugino. <laughs> and I th- and and it made me so mad that Polly Shore yeah. ends up with Carla Gagino. It's like that's just not right. Uh, Polly Shore is a no. <laughs> and like everyone deserve her. <laughs> everyone's treating
1: Tiffany Amber Thiessen like she's just Trash, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Tiffany Amber Thiessen's in the movie, just being Tiffany Amber Thiessen. And I'm like, do you not see how beautiful she is? She's Kelly Kapowski, right? Right, yeah. So, you 90s boys, yeah, yeah, you guys are all about Tiffany Amber Thiessen, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That movie holds a special place in the uh, in the teenage boy's heart.
1: Oh, it's <laughs> so funny. And I forgot that uh, the kid from
0: Sandlot was in it. And Wait, wait, what the kid from Sandlot. Oh, the, the catcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's in that. I forgot. And he
1: has some funny moments. Hey, in it.
0: let's be really clear. Son-in-Law is a well, best poly Shore movie
1: ever. I'm going to <laughs> put that seal of approval on it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was the one where he got jury duty? Was that the name of the movie, Jury Duty?
1: <laughs> uh, I know he was in one called
0: uh, Boardroom or Head of the Boardroom. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I've been to multiple Poly Shore movies in the theater. Ew! <laughs> so, I, I'm not I told you. I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but I know that I've seen multiple Poly Shore movies in the theater. Poly Shore is this weird place in pop culture. Where, um. So he's back with MTV when MTV still MTV. That's where he gets big, and there's something about him. He's just super weird, yeah, munching weird. on some grindage. You know, he just. He's kind of got that, you know, Stoner California vibe. And and he just gets cool with it cuz he's not really talented so in any he, shape or form.
1: He um actually I Chairman of the Board is not a Polly Shore movie. He holds the same place as the person that's in it. It's Carrot Top. Yeah, for me Carrot Top and Polly Shore are basically the same person except one's red-headed. And like is obnoxious with this red hair, and the other one is uh darker hair, and he's a little bit more subtle with this obnoxiousness.
0: My mind is exploding right now <laughs> <laughs> because um, you're right, you're right. Polly Shore and Carrot Top are like the same dude. Yeah, um, and somewhere, like if I've, I I have this vision of Carrot Top hearing me say that and going, "Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I knew it." Because poor Carrot Top got no respect. That's why he got all buff. You Remember when he got yeah. all buff? And that was scary. And it was. It was kind of scary, but it was like he almost did it because he was tired of people making fun of him.
1: And, and, like, and I was af- with Top. afraid that he'd have roid rage mm.
0: and like strangle someone. That was a weird little pocket 90s pop culture right there. Yeah. That we just went through. I don't remember how we got to that point. Oh, well, we were talking about Hawkeye. Yes, and then Thanksgiving theme. Thanksgiving, yeah, (laughs) because I was talking about playing strange in automobiles. Yes. Okay, aside ended. (laughs) Let's get back to Hawkeye. Um, We get a lot more in the third episode to do with Maya, uh, the character who's going to be known as Echo at some point. Yeah. Um, Right now we know her as Maya. Her uncle's clearly the kingpin. There's a scene in episode three where... Um, her dad says, I'm gonna leave you with unc, uncle, and he like pinches her cheek and laughs. It's clearly Vincent D'Onofrio.
1: Or is it future stepdad of
0: Kate Bishop? Why do you hate me? <laughs> what what no? It's clearly the king, but what does that even mean? Oh, you think it's Dan Duquesne? i'm not ruling it out no it's not the swordsman no it's the
1: kingpin i'm not ruling it out it's the kingpin it sounded just like him i know it did (laughs) but someone has to be (laughs) counterintuitive in this argument you are the worst
0: (laughs) um no you did amazingly enough you don't have to play devil's advocate
1: i will do it
0: for the listeners Cody will do it, uh, do the bidding of his father, the devil. <laughs> that was not a funny joke.
1: That was rude. Uh, please forgive me. I repent. Um, in some circles, I am known as Val Kilmer because I'm the saint. No circles. <laughs>
0: Are, is he known as Val Kilmer? <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, your if you had to give Hawkeye a grade now it's tough because I'm with you right now I'm, I'm into it. It feels delightful, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like you're, we're, we're waiting. We're kind of waiting for these moments to happen where like, I I think WandaVision has done this to us where we're waiting for some things we think are going to happen that might make the series for us. Oh yeah. And if this goes off in a disappointing way or it's anticlimactic climactic, like, look, what are we all thinking here? That we're going to see the Kingpin for sure. I would assume you'd have to. I mean, Kingpin has to be in this show, right? I mean,
1: with it, where it's set and who all is fighting with Hawkeye right now. yeah. yeah. But I'm so going back to the end of Black Widow post credit scene. Does sister
0: come in? No, she's definitely in it too. They confirmed she'll be in it at some point. And so, where is sister? Oh, she's gonna. So, here's what they're gonna do with that. She's gonna pop up in the last episode. I'm going to be furious. What? what? (laughs) Why? They never promised she was a main character in this story. I want
1: like some significant interaction, and I have a feeling it's going to be like last five minutes of the show.
0: It might be a post-credit scene. So you better just not get your hopes up. Yeah. I'm going to be furious. Hashtag team Florence. I mean, I think there's a very good chance. I'd say it's about 75%, three out of four. You're going to see the kingpin in this series. Um, I think there's about a 30, 35% chance you're going to see Matt Murdock
1: in this series.
0: They're doing a lot with the deafness. Mm-hmm. of of maya of course in the heart of hearing of hawkeye and the thing that would pull this all together was a little it would be a little matt murdoch maybe yeah i don't know i'm just uh, i think matt And plus kingpin i just think matt murdoch could sh- could show up in this show but a little lower percentage chance yeah i'm excited to see where it all goes i'll say that maya's we know that maya is not a bad guy in the comics either she's more of a a black widow type character she's she's she'll kind of be out there on her own in some cases but i think she'll she is she's a punisher type Mm. Uh, a force for good but you know yeah yeah but you like the show so far i do where would you put it comparatively speaking to the other marvel disney plus shows
1: oh with not having the last couple of episodes it's tough
0: it's not loki yet
1: it's not loki and like for a lot of people they really loved uh falcon winter soldier it- like a lot more than Wandavision. but i was a huge fan of Wandavision.
0: yeah i liked Wandavision better than falcon winter soldier but i liked them all Yes. and this one's more in the vein of Falcon winter soldier because you're th- you're following more of your earthbound kind of ground level hero threats oh uh, i i'm
1: yeah i I think that right now it's it has potential to get to third place on my list okay it would be hard to get to Loki one division level for me Okay. Something significant will have to happen. I'll be like, you just blew my mind. If
0: Kingpin and Matt Murdock are in this heavily, what does that do for you? It might
1: start knocking on the door.
0: What if Galactus shows up? (laughs) What if (laughs) Mephisto shows up? Uh, Uh, Oh, (laughs)
1: because literally, I was waiting for that throughout WandaVision. I
0: was like, oh. Yeah, where, where where are you? Weren't we all? Yeah. Weren't we all? Uh, we got tricked. Okay. Anything else to add about mm. a Little Hawkeye? The tracksuit mafias is, is is wonderful. They're amazing, and they better show up in lots of things. Yeah. Because uh, that is, I, I can't get enough of them. And I
1: think that that is. Something that Marvel kind of lacks is just like your everyday underground villainous type of organization that ah, it just seems like they're never ending. Mm -hmm. And this one, this could fill that void. Yeah, yeah. In a fun way.
0: Yeah, they're just super fun. Super, super fun.
1: And they're making tracksuits cool again. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs)
0: all right we'll take a little break we'll come back and talk about our main topic right after this hey we're back
1: so spider-man no way home I'm I'm going to spoil it. Oh, you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Peter Parker's going to pull a Jesus. Uh, explain. Oh, uh, I can't go into great detail, but he might. One Peter Parker might have to sacrifice their life for everyone.
0: So. Oh, you see, you're saying okay. First of all, you're you're acknowledging that all the Spider Men are in this movie, but one and one of them may die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much a guarantee. I'm, I'd go with that. That's. I think that's a high probability. Or um,
1: Tom's Peter Parker dies, and then Doctor Strange does some time stuff, and oh, he's still alive.
0: No, that's lame. And if you mention it again, I'll cut you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I could see one of the other Spider-Men dying, though, for sure. Rest in peace Toby (sighs) You think it'd be Toby? I'm gonna go with Andrew I think it'll be Andrew Um, When it is
1: Toby I'm going to play that song Goodbye Toby From The Office
0: Oh okay You were really adamant about this (laughs) Yes I didn't even know you were gonna bring this up It's how I roll All right. Uh, We saw Ghostbusters Afterlife We did A lot of critics did too what I want to talk about is, is we're gonna we're gonna get into the movie a little bit later on, but let's let's first talk about well should we talk about no let's talk about this first. Sixty three percent critics score on Rotten Tomatoes. Ninety five percent audience score, which I find interesting. You you've got top critics. Uh, Let's see Mark Feeney Boston Globe Has his moments But they don't make up For a general Flat-footedness And tendency to wobble I don't Um, even know
1: What that means
0: Richard Roper The guy who took over um, After Siskel died Yeah With Ebert A good story is key And this sequel Doesn't have it He says Ouch I disagree Uh, Let's see Other top critics Haunting But not in the good way oh yeah uh i ain't afraid of no ghosts but i am afraid of sitting through unnecessary father and son passion projects says sean price of the spool you see here's the thing that 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 review right there let's talk about that review for a minute um are you more mad that you don't think the movie's very good or that a father and son worked closely together obviously have affection for each other and that bothers you yeah, I think I think there's some cynicism rearing its ugly head in the way that people looked at this movie. And I just want to talk about this for a minute because I was unsure about whether I wanted to see this movie because of I knew the Rotten Tomatoes score was low. And I'd read a couple reviews, non-spoiler reviews that said it was a little too callbacky too many Easter eggs it was too much of a throwback didn't tell a story like look um this movie was amazing it was a great movie and so when I saw the movie my wife loved it and she's not a huge fan of the original Ghostbusters
1: back her in the loss 80s.
0: yeah right um my wife loved it even she's like I don't understand why that's not getting more run. And I don't really understand it either, but I think I'm starting to. And I think it's because we're cynical. We're a lot more cynical now. Here's my contention. My contention is if this if this movie would have come out in the late 80s, everybody would have loved it. Would have been one of the best sequels ever. If it just would have went in the... I know the story is meant mm-hmm. to be years later, um, but just go with me on this journey. And we'll say if... Um, if this story were, or if this movie would have come out with an 80s atmosphere, everybody would have loved it. Yeah. And it would have been one of the best sequels ever. Because I think we weren't as cynical back then. We were willing to watch a movie and just have fun.
1: Although, if this list of 15 all time great movies that have awful critic scores says anything, that may not necessarily be true.
0: I mean, critics can be... Yeah, I mean, I, I, so, I'm allowing... My point is not so much that the critics didn't like it, it's what they said about it.
1: Yes, but like on this list, I mean, like, Hook is one of the movies, Mighty Ducks is one of the movies, Hocus Pocus, Home Alone 2. So I think that... And reading a couple of the uh reviews for those movies, I think there is a common theme of cynicism, especially geared towards like more i guess more comedy that is not so serious or doesn't have like a political message or bent to it.
0: There was a study recently. Here, Mm -hmm. Cody, here's my counter-argument. Okay. Um, A a new study of cynicism argues that cynical genius is a myth, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of us uh, today, cynicism has come to mean something different than it did to the ancient Greeks. I was going to say, it's a philosophical mindset. Right. Self-identified cynics pride themselves on skepticism their ability to be wary of other people's motives as a sign of discerning intelligence. Okay, And a lot of our pop culture over our human history has echoed this. We favor the world-weary protagonist like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Who sniffs out truths that elude the rest of us. He's like the champion of cynics,
1: right? He is. Um, in the superhero world, that is Batman.
0: True. It but is. a new study of cynicism argues that the cynical genius is a myth. And a co- comprehensive cross-cultural analysis published in the personal and social psychology bulletin. I bet y'all didn't know you were going to learn on this podcast.
1: I wasn't ready for it.
0: Uh, published by social psychologist Olga Stavrova of Tilburg University in the Netherlands and an evolutionary psychologist Daniel Elbrocht from the University of Cologne in Germany conclude that most competent people aren't so cynical after all. Yeah. They point out there's a reason people think it's smart to be cynical. The notion that we're driven entirely by self-interest is promoted in evolutionary biology and economic theory. We're often taught that survival of the fittest requires people to look out for their individual interests. Therefore, it's only logical to believe that we're protecting ourselves by assuming the worst about humanity. Like, for instance, Ghostbusters Afterlife is simply nothing but a paying your father homage. Yeah. As uh, the movie is done by the son of Ivan Reitman. Basically, what the what it says is that a lot of people are cynical because they think that's what makes them smart. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like our culture? Because I think it's I think it's head on.
1: Um, and I would say that about critics in general. With a lot of movies, that there seems to be this atmosphere of. I want to seem like the smartest person in the room. And the best way to do that is have like these absurd standards that cast doubt and shade on uh, either the motives of the movie or the execution of the movie. And quite frequently, it doesn't match up with um, what typical members of society would say is a good movie.
0: Yeah. Clarice Lawfree of The Independent, who looks like a millennial, younger. Ghostbusters Afterlife is simply the things you already knew and liked, but repeated with unearned gravitas. Disagree. It's a completely new story. Yes, they're battling some of the same things the original movie did. But the story is completely different. It's about a completely different family that's related to someone in the original. Yeah. They have different problems different um, motivations. Yeah. Entirely different setting.
1: There's some things that are just disregarded by, by the critics in this uh, series of reviews that I'm, I'm baffled by that. Like, should you say this is the new modern citizen Kane? No, don't, yeah, it's not meant to be. It is it,
0: it, it and exactly that right there, yeah. which you just said. I'm not I'm not going to see Ghostbusters Afterlife to, to anoint it Citizen Kane. Yeah. I'm not going for that entertainment. Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair says, "I've no doubt that there's genuine intent on Reitman's part to honor his father's work, but otherwise, afterlife exists solely to restart a moribund franchise so that a dormant conveyor belt of product may groan back into motion." Now, this is what I worried about when I went to see it. Before I went to see it, but when I saw it, no, no, he tells. There's a sweet story he tells here. Mm-hmm. It's it, that stands on its own. And Richard Lawson, who now I doubt even like the original. Yeah. Like, here's the thing with critics. I think you should be able to go to a movie and have fun. If you don't, if you can't do that, then I don't, I don't care to read your critical work. Yeah. Um, Because I can go to a movie and have fun. Now, look, I don't like every movie just because I should because of the IP either. The Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in the theater. Trash absolute dumpster fire haven't watched it again watched it the one time in the theater i refuse to watch it because it is so stinking bad
1: george lucas films knows my thoughts on it because they <laughs> had a survey after
0: so so i'm just not i'm not just sitting here saying everything that's beloved ip to me i'm gonna like look and look the ghostbusters with the the the, the, the re, reboot with the the ladies which listen This has this is there's no chauvinistic part in this for me. Mm -hmm. That movie was not very good. And
1: like there's a lot of aspects I think this movie picked up on that they kind of took for granted and didn't pay any
0: detail to that would have helped. Yeah. What, What did this movie do for you that made it work? Just something simple. So what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: Simply, I mean that whole like family
0: connection, like fun vibe. Oh, so you would say they were honest to the characters that they were presenting. Yes. You know what the problem with the Melissa McCarthy Ghostbusters was? Uh who else was in that? Kristen Wigg. Kristen Wig. Kate McKinnon. They don't get to be the characters. Mm-hmm. They totally waste all that comedic talent. In that yeah. movie, it's wasted. Melissa McCarthy's do most of that movie's doing this like slapsticky Chris Farley thing. I,
1: yeah, I don't like when like we make the uh, overweight person have to fall and like bust yeah. through tables and walls. It's like, okay, Chris Farley did it and it was funny.
0: The original Ghostbusters was great because Aykroyd was Aykroyd.
1: Yeah. Um, Bill Murray, him, is- Bill
0: Murray was Bill Murray. Harold Ramis was Harold Ramis. Winston? (laughs) Yeah. He was Winston. Like they were Ernie, Ernie Hudson was Ernie Hudson. Like they they got to be these real characters. And then they just reacted like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was almost as if we're gonna write this movie and we're gonna let you guys wing what you guys think the characters should be. Yeah. Instead of the the all-female version of Ghostbusters, which was clearly written to the hilt say these lines exactly like we tell you to say them do these things and i feel they didn't like
1: have a good enough like story with it because there really wasn't that much of an emphasis on the paranormal aspect where in this there definitely is in the original there is Mm -hmm. and like there's like intentional, like scary moments in the first series of movies. And even in this, there's like, I mean, I wasn't scared as an adult, but I could see kids reacting kind of like, Oh my goodness. And and the, the one that came out before this, no, not so much.
0: So, Uh, and, and I think, so what I'm saying here is I think Han Solo the character of Han Solo, Harrison Ford was allowed to make choices with that character. Mm-hmm. A- any documentary you watch, any any interview you read with George Lucas or Harrison Ford, there were certain choices he got to make with that character. Um, When IP, when intellectual property gets beloved, I think there's a danger of what happens to the, the female-led Ghostbusters, which is... We're not gonna allow you that those women were so talented. Oh, very that was like I think that was why it was so disappointing. Cause you had the dream team. And then
1: you had uh Chris Hemsworth as yeah. Annie Potts' character. And
0: but and Hemsworth is the best part of that movie. And do you know why? Because he just gets to be silly. Yeah. He just gets to be the silly one while everyone else is by the book. This is what's written. This is these are my lines. No one gets to be Han Solo, right? Yeah,
1: and I mean, as a, if I was a critic and I was watching this movie and I was doing an honest review, I would say in my review there's things that don't get thoroughly explained enough. Mm-hmm. I, I would list out that I have some issues with it, but I would say overall a fun movie that will tug on your heartstrings and that sort of stuff. But you can, like, there can be some positives with your negatives or some negatives with your positives. It doesn't have to be just yeah. all one extreme or the other.
0: Don't trust what you hear about this movie. It's a wonderful movie. Um, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, the movie starts 32 years after the events of Ghostbusters 2, after they uh, stopped the Vigo. Remember that movie? Yeah. Not the best. Ghostbusters 2 was not the best. Did have an amazing song from Bobby Brown. It did. Every little step but Anyways. <laughs> um, Things, uh, the supernatural has been in decline in New York City. Egon has relocated to Somerville, Oklahoma, or who you find out is Egon, because obviously the actor Harold Ramis is deceased.
1: So honestly, like... Having not read any of the critics reviews, I figured that was going to be the thing that they bashed on the most. I
0: did read one thing where they felt uneasy about it and that one I will give credence to that one, um, including the part at the end, which we'll get to, I'm not going to go into super in depth because if you haven't seen the movie, you're just listening. I don't want to totally spoil it. Yeah. Um, but Egon is presented as a apparition force ghost but he's clearly cgi obviously because mm-hmm. harold Ram- Harold ramus is deceased he's not with us um and it's a very touching moment but at the same time i'm like mm, so like, it's ever so close to cringy
1: i remember like all the issues people had like with star wars uh characters that the actors were dead and oh we recreated them and it's like, oh, we got beef with this.
0: Yeah. It could go to a bad place. Here, I think the story is so good and so sweet and so innocent.
1: That, and also I didn't know, because Harold Ramis had wanted to make another one. Right. And so, like, you knew the actor's intentions. Well, and
0: Harold Ramis's daughter came out and actually said in an interview that he would have loved this. Yes. That he would have loved it, especially him being slim. <laughs> he had gained weight as he had gotten older. Um, as we all do. And I, yeah, I thought it was well done in that way. So Egon's in Oklahoma. You you find out here in the beginning that Evor um, uh, Shandor's mining operations are located here. Of course, that was a part of the mythology of the first one. Yeah. A follower of Gozer. Because. Gozer the Gozerian. Yep. <laughs> Um this mine is in this Oklahoma town that was built completely by this Evor Shandor. Yeah. And e- Egon um is struggling with this uh ghostly entity at the beginning when his character is is killed I guess sort of. Yeah. It says in the plot that he suffered a heart attack. So but he's basically killed. They say later that he had a heart attack.
1: He yes. Died of natural causes. But the heart attack may have had some supernatural things behind
0: it. Yeah. So this movie picks up with uh, Callie, who is Egon's estranged daughter, and her two children, Trevor and Phoebe. They get evicted and they move out to Egon's farm, which has been left to Callie. They're obviously hard, they're, they're down on their luck. Um, the normal stories start to unfold. Trevor's a teenage boy, finds a girl he likes. Local girl, local, very great outdoors. Yes, this, that story. Like he's the out of town boy, local
1: girl. Um, Trevor is played by Finn Wolfhard of
0: Stranger Things fame. He's great in it, phenomenal. The, all, the whole family's great. Yes, um, so Carrie Coon plays Callie. Carrie Coon, who was in, um, what was the HBO series? I'm no. looking it up. Uh, let's see the leftovers. The leftovers, yeah, that was the big show she was in. Uh, McKenna Grace plays Phoebe, Callie's daughter, Egon's granddaughter. Um, she steals the movie. She evidently can play
1: anybody's like younger version or close <laughs> relative.
0: Um, in this, in this movie, the conceit I- here is is that she's man. She is the. Genetic recipient of all Egon's Egonness, right? Yes. So it, she is the living, breathing descendant of Egon.
1: Which, like, throughout the this movie, I was geeking out over her character, like yeah. being so
0: Egon-y But she's a girl, yeah. so she's got a charm that boy Egon did not have. Yeah. Right. Uh, so she's charming, but she's weird. She's nerdy, and it's all great. It all works well. She starts to discover that the house is, there's something going on in the house. She finds the PKE meter, and they start, these. this adventure starts to unfold. She makes a friend at school whose name is Podcast, and it's not his name. That's what they call him. One of the critics I read actually dissed that, <sighs> said, oh, what a lazy piece of comedy. And I'm just like, do you even know what comedy is? Like, first of all, have you ever met anyone with a podcast? They talk nonstop about their podcast.
1: If you see me on the streets, I'll talk to you about Pop Culture Pastor.
0: You're listening to the Pop Culture Pastor podcast. <laughs> Make yeah. sure and like it and give us a five-star rating. Also, we have a listener support button, should you like to support us. Anyway, anyways, we, let us continue. Yes. We digress. Um, that was hilarious to me. I was like, yeah, of course, because everyone with a podcast talks about their podcast that person that said that clearly doesn't know anybody with a podcast.
1: I loved how like he podcast was like, I really hit my stride in like <laughs> episode 36 or something. It was,
0: it was 46. <laughs> yes. And it's played for laughs later. Cause Ackroyd right. is like his one loyal listener. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you really hit your stride in episode 46, <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect for his character. The, the amazing thing about that is yes, the old ghostbusters show up at the end, spoilers to help out and um I'm, I'm not gonna we won't spoil the details but they're all so wonderfully nail the the just the crux the the feeling of who their characters were and are yeah like in the little moments they get they're all there mm-hmm. you get a little you get ackroyd more than the other two yes just just a tiny bit more although
1: i feel like Bill Murray is way more memorable,
0: but well, that's just because, because, because he's, he's Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Bill Murray's the most memorable one, but you see him the least. Yeah, because you get more of Winston in the post credits. You do, although you get you get another scene with Bill in the in the mid credits. Yeah, and it's worth. It doesn't bring anything to the movie, but it's funny. Um, Okay, so they they, they go on this venture, they realize, they start investigating the weird things going on in Somerville with the help of their teacher, uh, Gary Gruberson, as played by Paul Rudd. Who's just Paul Rudd? Um, He's great in everything.
1: Again, I don't know how you could be so critical of this movie once you have seen the performances of all the actors that have been mentioned thus far. And we haven't even
0: gotten to a few other big names. Yeah. That, so, these the kids, uh, they find a temple dedicated to Gozer inside this mine. They find the actual body in suspended animation of Evo Shandor, which is played for laughs. And it's hilarious.
1: And it's played by J.K. Simmons.
0: Yeah. Oh, good eyes. Yes. yes. J.K. Simmons is Evo Shandor, um, who gets immediately killed by Gozer. Yeah. I'll, I'll spoil that. And it's hilarious. Um, I have waited this whole time for you. We shall rule the world together, and she just rips him in half. Which, it's, it's amazing. Um,
1: I was amazed who they got to play, uh, Gozer. Yeah.
0: Well, she is evil incarnate for what she did. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm taking sides. I'm taking sides in that domestic dispute. I I don't know if like you don't know uh, if, if there she, are if sides. she left. Her the father of her child for Harry Styles? (laughs) Do we need to say her name?
1: Oh, Olivia.
0: (laughs) I'm taking his side. I'm taking Ted Lasso's side. He's a Kansan.
1: I I mean team Ted Lasso in this.
0: (laughs) But she's a perfect gozer.
1: Um, like (laughs) she's still 13 from house for me.
0: She like everyone hates her now. It's kind of like we will never know the full story of what happened with those two. Uh, clearly, there seems to be more signs that she was the one who maybe did him wrong. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. I'm not it's, a gossiper. It's not really hard to say. I'm
1: not a gossiper. <laughs> there are yeah. things in the oh, Bible oh, that...
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, the adventure, you know, it, it, it's a Ghostbusters adventure. It is. It does what Ghostbusters does, but it's delightful the entire way. The mini stave puffs that you saw in the commercial, even them, they're wonderful. Makes they for are. a great scene at the end with podcasts is messing with them. Yes. Um it's all well. And then it it, it concludes with this wonderful kind of familial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what the whole movie is leading for. And listen, I'm not. I'm, I'm only. I'm not ashamed at all. I'm a little ashamed, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed that I teared up and I cried a little bit at the end of this movie. Also, I teared up the first time they fire up the sirens on the Ecto One. Oh yeah. I was unprepared for the feeling I would get when they fired up the sirens and started rolling through the town of Somerville, Oklahoma. In that time of need for the Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters. Yeah.
1: I I kinda wanted to jump out of my seat at that moment because I had so much energy and excitement. It's like I gotta release it somehow, but I refrained.
0: Oliver Jones from The Observer says Reitman's film is guided by a barely hidden contempt for the intelligence of the fans it so desperately courts. No. Wrong. I thought it was a I thought it was a super smart movie. Oh, for yeah. being what it is, it's it's a del- it's just a dumb summer popcorn comedy, and it it
1: quite literally is a sequel. Like yeah. there's aspects of like you could do this with the Jurassic World movies, saying oh like it's paying too much homage to Jurassic
0: Park. No, it's not. It's literally a continuation of the story. Yeah, Christy Lemire of RogerEbert.com says this Ghostbusters takes the series mythology way too seriously, approaching what should be a light, silly comedy as if it were serious science fiction. The result is an awkward and unwarranted feeling of reverence. What part of this was over-serious? Slash,
1: I would say that the mythology is important to
0: the continuation of the story. What's lost on Christy Lemire, top critic, according to Rotten Tomatoes, Is if that happened in in a world you lived in where the the events of the original Ghostbusters movie actually happened, that would be huge. It would be mythology. It would be legend.
1: Oh, yeah. Like.
0: Why do these people hate fun? So
1: (laughs) if there was like parts to nitpick, they haven't even come close to approaching them like. My first issue was, like, oh, why are they calling Dan Aykroyd? And, like, how do they just all get band together and show up? I mean, there's some slight details, but, but that's just, literally me nitpicking. Uh, that's me looking for something wrong. <laughs> that's
0: not me saying that, like, this
1: ruins the whole movie. David,
0: David Fear of Rolling Stone says... Should you be a Ghostbusters admirer who goes into this franchise extension wanting to see an actual, you know, movie, you'll feel as if you're trespassing in someone else's house of worship, but at least you'll know who not to call next time. Rolling Stone couldn't even get through a one-line, a one-sentence review without bashing religion, which, you know, thanks for that, Rolling Stone, but whatever. No, I I disagree completely. I disagree. It's an extension of the story.
1: Yeah, it's not a... Uh, a rebooting of the whole franchise I mean quite literally it's a continuation
0: The original Ghostbusters thrived on irreverence And to see it treated with such moon-eyed worship Feels terribly counterproductive Not every hit movie from the past Needs to be cherished like a holy text Does he forget how the original Ghostbusters ended? Where the city of New York is chanting them for them? Ghostbusters, ghost. Like yeah. what? What are you talking about bro? So, like, they actually throw kids in jail in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) They do.
1: Um, I mean, especially with, like, critics that I would say are under the age of 40. I don't know if maybe they grew up watching the edited, like, TBS version and, like, some scenes were cut out for time constraint. And so maybe they are misremembering like
0: the whole movie. I don't know. The only person who shows moon-eyed reference in this movie is Paul Rudd's character, and it's clearly played for like, yeah, he's we- he's a weirdo. Yeah, he's clearly played as a kind of a goober, a weirdo,
1: very an much outsider. So. And like, so my biggest problem with the movie, and none of them have mentioned it yet, is. It's revelation, not revelations. <laughs> so the pop culture pastor in me noticed that. And I'm like, but in the original movie, they quote that Bible verse, but they have like the wrong chapter. Yeah. Verse. yeah, I
0: know they messed it up in the original too. And
1: so it's like, maybe that's a running gag. And so I'm not going to hold it against them.
0: Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a great movie. I loved it. All the people, the acting, you know, the casting choices were all wonderful. Uh, Man, I I just can't wait to see it again. I I can't remember the last movie I went to that wasn't like a MCU event movie Mm -hmm. that I instantly wanted to go back in and watch. That was when I was leaving the theater. I wanted to go back in and watch Ghostbusters Afterlife again, from a, for a totally different reason than an MCU movie, which is I wanted to catch all the little things I missed the first time. Yeah. This one I just wanted to soak in it some more. Um,
1: within this genre, where you you leave having felt like, oh that was fun, it wasn't like mentally draining or anything. Like I can't remember the last movie that fits that. Um, like there was a couple of action movies that I'm like, oh, I want to see that again. But no, not, not this sort of film, but this one, I'm really eager for it to come out just so my wife and I can watch it together because she did not go with me when I watched it. Her
0: loss. Back to this study on cynicism. The psychologists conclude By citing Stephen Colbert A comedic genius In true wit who is not a cynic He's taken the improvisational comedy rule That demands players say yes and To everything And turned it into a life philosophy Cynicism masquerades as a wisdom But is the furthest thing from it That's Stephen Colbert He said that Mm. Because cynics don't learn anything because cynicism is a self-imposed blindness. A rejection of the world because we're afraid it will hurt us or disappoint us. Cynics always say no. But saying yes begins things. Saying yes is how we grow. That's Stephen Colbert. My argument for people who, the critics, who were fond of the original Ghostbusters, who didn't like this one, was they went in going, they they went in going no. They knew that... Uh, Uh, The younger Reitman was doing the movie. They didn't like that he was going to pay reverence to his father. Whatever, you know.
1: And I also wonder if some already had an axe to grind with what is deemed as a commercial flop of the previous Ghostbusters movie.
0: Yeah. And this is the fourth Ghostbusters film Mm -hmm. to appear in theaters. It's the second best one right behind the original, in my opinion.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like like and it's, you not, said, it's not close. The the second Ghostbusters movie, oh. it's
0: it's it's good. It was fun, but it wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the first one. It's a it's a distant third, and the one with the women was terrible, but it wasn't their fault. No, um, it wasn't. And and it was you could argue it was probably made in a cynical way. Yeah, I don't know. I think cynicism's a part of all this. Well.
1: I feel that way with critics in general. It's that.
0: Well, go ahead. So,
1: like, especially, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago, we talked about um, superhero movies and, like, older directors, like, being asked about it. Yeah. And they always have, like, a very cynical response to why these movies are hot trash or whatever
0: and why because they always want to appear like they're so i'm ridley scott this i'm is martin fine. scorsese i i produce art this yes. is not art cynicism always is guarding something right mm-hmm. i have to guard yeah. that i'm awesome you know so yes. i have to bash this no matter what i have to bash this and that's what stephen colbert is saying He's saying, you're saying no before you even give it a chance to just have fun.
1: And like, uh, so like superhero movies and then like the movies that get nominated for Oscars. And like usually get like high critical reviews. I'm thinking of... um, Christian Bale was in, like, a live-action retelling of Pocahontas. Uh, I think it was called New World. Mm -hmm. It was the slowest, most boring movie I've ever watched in my whole life. And, like, it got rave reviews. Like, oh, this is a cinematic masterpiece. Beautiful storytelling. And less is clearly more with this one. And so, like... (laughs) There is like this self-indulgence with critics, I feel, Mm -hmm. and that it gets played out, especially with movies that aren't highbrow. And it gets shown through their cynicism. And so like cynicism is that vehicle to deliver the, I am smarter than everyone else in the room. I know what is best.
0: At the very end of this, let's just turn it, to spirituality for a second. Okay, This cynicism will invade even this topic as I've run into people who are like sort of militant when they find out I'm a pastor or that mm-hmm. I'm a Christian, um, they'll get sort of militant in their standing almost to be argumentative. And then almost immediately I start feeling like, yeah, you're, you're not, uh, you're, you are not, not a believer because you've come to this truth. You are a non-believer because you've said no from the beginning. You haven't given him a chance. Here's what I would say to anyone who's seeking truth. You got to give all things a chance. You have to say, I have to leave the door open to a yes to even things I don't want to, to to, to get to truth. That's what I would say to them. And there are a lot of people who are atheists out there who I think have not ever had that door open. And yeah. there's a lot of people who've fallen away from the Christian faith who say things like, well, I'm not a Christian anymore because of the way Christians act. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I both know that that's a that's illogical
1: because it's the way humans act. Jesus
0: came because we're terrible. Yeah. OK, so if you know that you grew up in church and that's the reason you don't go anymore, let's let's get to the real reason why you don't, because you don't want to open the door to have the possibility of a Yes. Because you know, when you know when you know the truth of Jesus, he gets your yes. Right? Yes. And this cynicism. Like, before we get to the end of this, I want to make sure we're all pretty clear on this. Yeah, we're talking about it in a light, fun way in, in the world of pop culture. But the, cynical, the cynicism is never going to do you any favors. No. It's a bad place to be. And I'm not even talking about spirituality. I'm just talking about living.
1: And which, I mean... You get on social media, you watch the news, cynicism's everywhere. This negative outlook on life and this doubting of everyone and everything ever that comes into your life. Yeah, It's not a good place. Yeah. And absolutes, so, uh, to quote, uh, Dominique Foxworth, um, uh, who, uh, played football and now has like his own podcast and, uh, is on ESPN quite a bit. Uh, he said, uh, absolutes, uh, are only for two kinds of people, kids and dummies. <laughs> <laughs> Cause very few things in this world are absolute. And so when you go into something with a closed mind, a closed heart, Uh, preset notion of like I'm above this or this doesn't equate to good art if we're going back to the movie Um, yeah you're you're missing out on something it's okay to have fun and not have to like overthink and be like where was the M. Night twist or whatever so
0: (sighs) In, in conclusion um, If you don't like Ghostbusters Afterlife, you're wrong. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Another episode is done. Um, Next week, I don't know. I don't know what we'll talk about. We, I know we're going to have a Christmas movie episode it's coming up soon.
1: I feel we should have a Christmas TV show episode coming up. You are
0: all about the TV.
1: Uh, there's a lot of television I've watched. There's also like... 500 plus movies I've seen So, Are
0: we talking about Christmas TV made especially for Christmas Or Christmas episodes of regular TV
1: I think Christmas episodes of regular TV
0: Okay but see it's been a long time Since I've watched those There's like, some that I like think lo- That uh, should stick out Oh okay Well Thanksgiving would have been um, The one that comes to my mind immediately Was Is Slapsgiving
1: The Thanksgiving
0: yeah. episodes of How I Met Your Mother Mm-hmm. But I what what stands out to you just in general? Preview preview me. Okay, so name one show with a Christmas episode that you remember.
1: Doctor Who, and like Christmas season's big for Whovians. Oh, okay. So like every Christmas, there is a Doctor Who episode, and it. It's usually, like, unveiling the new
0: Doctor, if there is a new Doctor. Cody is our resident Whovian. Evidently. Yeah. I am, I'm not a big Doctor Who guy, but Cody will pick up the slack on us there. Okay. And, I mean. We go that direction. Maybe we make a joint. We talk about Christmas movies and Christmas TV? Uh, or is that too much? Too much. Like, I feel like
1: Friends probably had some good episodes. You'd think so,
0: but none of them stick out to me.
1: Did Cheers have a Christmas episode?
0: If it did, I don't remember. <laughs> um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso did a yeah Christmas episode. It was kind of filler, but it, it was, was good. I right. feel there has
1: to be Christmas episodes. We're going to think on
0: this. We're going to think on it. Maybe something big will
1: happen in between now and then.
0: <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here. Everyone have a great weekend or week. And we'll see you next week on Pop Culture Pastor. Hey, uh, go check out where uh, it's on Spotify or Anchor. We have a listener support button. In all seriousness, oh, if you do like our podcast and you would like to support us in any way, uh, we sure'd love to have it. We promise you that we're not going to pocket this. It'll any funds you give us will go directly into making a better show. That's our promise because we're all about value yeah we're not joel osteen we're not yep. gonna buy a 2.11 billion dollar house or anything or a lamborghini yeah so uh you know check that out and uh we'll see you next week